Welcome to the Florence Crossroad podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Amen. What a beautiful day. It's a gorgeous day out there, and it's a great day inside as well. We're delighted that you're with us this morning, and we trust that God's favor literally is upon you and throughout your environment, wherever that is. You know, we're going to become very, very well acquainted with family, with children, with pets in this uh, distancing that we have had, and uh, I think that's a good thing. I hope that you're taking advantage of it and that you're not just simply uh, feeling like you're bound. I think there are wonderful things that we can do. One of the things that I know that is uh, happening to me is I have a greater uh, opportunity to be in His Word more, to pray more, and to be able to be a part of people's lives in talking with them through phones and through uh, social distancing networks, if you will, the internet, uh, different forms and, and, and means. And uh, for that, we are grateful. Uh, let's, let's make good things out of this very difficult moment. And uh, I believe that as we do, God will bless us and help us. I, uh, has, we started this series here sometime back uh, a couple weeks ago. Actually, last week, I guess, is when we began this new series, Above the Ceiling. Uh, simply the area of prayer. Prayer is the most important, the most powerful tool that we have in the arsenal of the believer. And I believe that as we utilize this gift, this tool God has given to us, uh, we're going to see some amazing things occur. Have you ever noticed that when you go to prayer, all of a sudden, your whole grocery list comes up, or appointments, or your calendars, or things anything that will come to distract you from praying. There's a reason for that. The enemy knows that prayer is the most important, the most vital, the most powerful thing that we have been given in the arsenal of the believer. And anything he can do to distract us from that or to diminish the value of prayer is something that he will do everything he can in our lives. I want to share with you this morning, a seri- in this series, a message that I've simply called the power of prayer. The power of prayer. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, there's a, there's a story. The children of Israel, God has just brought them out of uh, Egypt uh, through all of the plagues and all of that that's happened. And they've come out of Egypt. They're, they're coming into their destiny, if you will. And in the middle of that, not long after they have been released, there is a battle. Battles are real. We have a real enemy. There are real struggles that happen in life. And I'm convinced that behind every battle, there is a force that's beyond the enemy that we face that we can see tangibly. And I think that's so true here as we look at this passage. In Exodus chapter 17, it says, now Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Esau uh, was, if you remember, uh, one of the twins, and uh, Jacob and Esau were twin brothers, and there was a great deal of warring between the two. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. It's interesting that, that the, in that family, uh, they, they've continued uh, 
You have Ishmael, who was uh, the son of Hagar, uh, of Abraham. Long story. I don't want to get into all of that detail. But, but there, there was this uh, combining. There was this multi-generational dynamic that was happening over centuries. And children of Ishmael and children of, of Esau would marry. And they would take and become tribes that would be enemies to Israel. And quite frankly, those enemies of Israel are still prominent today. And they find their lineage all the way back to Esau and Ishmael. As we look at here, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat upon it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Father, in this passage, help us to mine the truths that you want for us today. Help us to see what it is that you have in store for those of us that follow you and love you, for anyone who would desire to know you. I pray that you would guide and direct our thoughts this morning. For Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In the Old Testament, there were enemies of God that were people enemies. And there are still some of those today. But as in the Old Testament, there is an enemy power behind the enemy that we actually face. Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The world teaches us that humans are not our enemy. The word, not the world, but the word teaches us. It's amazing what happens on Sunday mornings. But the word teaches us that humans are not our enemies. Now think about this. They are our brothers and sisters created by God in his image. And the same Jesus that went to the cross to die for our sins died for theirs as well. So we're fighting not against human forces. We're fighting against the enemy, an enemy that is a spiritual force. There's an evil lurking in our world, and that evil is none, none other than Satan himself. In our text, we see a visual battle. Joshua and his army warring against the enemy that is flesh and blood. We see Moses warring with Aaron and Hur in a spiritual battle. So we see Joshua in the valley in a physical battle. We see Moses, Aaron, and Hur on a hilltop in a spiritual battle. It's, it's rather ironic that one affects the other. In this story, there are th things that we're going to see. In fact, I think there are some principles about prayer that really speak out to me. Three things that prayer reveals about you and I. First of all is humility. 
You can't do this by yourself. Secondly is faith. We have this intensity of our our faith. We believe in our God. And thirdly is love, the intimacy that God wants. I want to talk about those briefly before we go back into this passage. In humility, I need you. That's That's exactly what it's saying. I can't do this without you. I look at our world today. Our world is filled with with stuff, with fear, with anxiety, with who has the answer? What doctor has? I've listened to the news and I find one doctor saying this and another doctor saying that and one politician saying this and another. What is God saying in all of this? What are we to do in all of this? We're not to give in to fear. We're not to give in to the fright that is so pandemic. It's greater than the disease that's in this world. But listen to what the Bible tells us. In 2 Chronicles, you know this passage. If my people who are called by my name, now listen to it, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What God is saying is this. You can't do this by yourselves. Science can't do this by itself. Politicians can't do this by itself. We need the power of God. And that's where God has given to us this assignment to come in prayer and to release from heaven the victories that we need here on earth. If we confess our need, he is able to meet it. I don't do this without you. I can't do this without you, Lord. I don't have the ability. I don't have the resources. I don't have the strength, Lord. That's what prayer is saying. It's saying, I need you. And that's humility in it, in action in a way. Uh, we have to humble ourselves to realize we don't have it within ourselves. Secondly, faith is trust. Hebrews says, but it is, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, I know some people that believe in a pantheism of God. They just believe in a power of something. Of, of some, No, that doesn't work, folks. You can't pray to the trees, and you can't pray to Mother Earth, and you can't pray to, to the wind. You pray to the living God. The living God. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. We have access to the living God, the creator of all, the master designer of everything that exists. We have access to him, and that's what the word teaches it, but we have to believe in him. We have to trust in him. And thirdly, this concept of love, intimacy. If you love someone, you want to meet with them. You want to be with them. You want to spend time with them. You don't want to just have an occasional moment with them. I love my wife, and I love being with her, and I love being able to talk with her. It, it wouldn't be much of a relationship if I said, you know, honey, I'm going to call you maybe once a week. You know, I don't know that go over well, real well. Or, you know, we, we can gather together next month. No, I want to be with her because I love her. I want to be near her. The same is with our God. It's not an occasional thing. It's not just coming on a Sunday morning or one day a week. It's, an, it's a moment by moment by moment relationship. He's constantly with us. I, I remember many years ago reading a book, and, and in this book, there was a statement in it. It, it was it described it this way, practice the presence of the Lord. Other words, he's constantly there. 
Any moment I can just call out to him, Father, and he's there. I can, in my mind, in, the, in a crowd of, of room when I don't feel like making it voice, I can, in my mind, Father, I need you. He's there. Constantly he's there. And recognizing that and understanding it. David said it so well in Psalm 63. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. If you love him, you're going to be want, you, you want to be with him. You want to be near him. You want to have fellowship with You want to talk with him. Our relationship with God is filled with those moments. If we will come to him, he will make himself known to us. He's that something that's missing in so many lives. That something that is void in so many lives. And when we find that something, we don't want to lose it. This was David. I have seen you in your sanctuary, and I am so excited about that. I want more of what I have seen. I need you. I believe in you. I love you. This was the concept. This is the atmosphere. This is the attitude of prayer. So we go back to our story. Let's take a look at it here. Because if we recognize those three facets, we're going to see them play out in this story. You see, what happens on the hill of prayer determines the outcome of the battle in the valley. Today, we need people working. Yes, we need, we need men, people ministering. We need people going and, and work, do the work of ministry or doing the, the aspects. We can't just simply sit back and say, let it be done. We have to actively be involved, but, and, and that's important. Our efforts are important. However, the results of those efforts are going to be determined by our prayers. In this battle... It appears that both armies are very equal, equal in ability, equal in strength, equal in, in their uh, capacity to do war. The weather is the same. The geography is the same. In every way, they are equally matched. What's going to make the difference? The difference is prayer. When I look at this story, you need warriors, we need the workers, we need the ministers, yet the determinator of what's going to happen, what's going to make the, the difference is what's happening in prayer. The victory over the battles we struggle with in the valley will be determined by the amount of prayer that's happening on the hill. That's what I see in this passage. I, I, I was in conversation uh, on the internet this week with a, a fellow who uh, is in Cairo, Egypt. And it's interesting because he pastors a rather large church there in that, in that country. Uh, and, and I think that's really amazing, a Christian church in a Muslim country, and yet he, he has a very powerful ministry in that country. He made a statement, he said, of the Muslim people, and we love these people. We want God's blessing and favor on them. We truly do, because they have been made in his image, and they need to know the Savior. Muslims, though, have a mind that's blocked against Jesus They've been taught from birth not to think, not to doubt, not to act, or not to believe what we believe simply because they have been told it's wrong. We can't get into their minds. We can't move into their environment. But uh, my friend was sharing, he said, the one thing that we can do is we can ask God 
to come into their life, to come into the places where they live, to be where they are. We can ask God to speak to them and to, to reveal himself to them. And he says, we began doing this some time back. He said, we had a remarkable thing happen. He says, a, a young lady who happens to be a physician in, our, in the city of Cairo came to know Jesus. She came to know him because God showed up to, showed, showed, presented himself to her in a vision. And she came to faith in him, but she kept it quiet. And then she began to pray, God, I want my husband to know you. Would you go to him the same way you came to me? And guess what? He revealed himself to her husband in the same way. He came to faith. And together they began to talk about this. And they said, our children need to know Jesus. And so they said, Father, you can come to us. You can reveal yourself to us. You can come to our children. And one by one, their children became, came to the Lord. The same way God revealed himself in a unique way. He did that over and again throughout several of their family members. Hear this, folks. Our God is not bound by any limitation here on earth, any ideology here on earth, anything that presently cannot be moved by circumstance or by the situations of life. Our God is a big God, and he can do anything as we bring him into those circumstances. Why not believe him? The power of prayer can make the impossible possible. Don't we see that throughout the scriptures? I love this passage in John. Most assuredly, I say to you, in John 14, 12 to 14, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because, because, here's why. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask, my, ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. My God is not a liar. My God has never broken a promise. He said that if you ask in my name, I will do it. I believe if we ask in his name, he will, he will answer our prayers. I shared this last week, and it bears repeating. The reason good things happen in your life is because your will moves God's will from heaven to earth. Thy will be done. It is God's will that the Muslim, that the Buddhist, that the atheist, that the Christian know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the will of God. I would that none would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. And that life is only found in Jesus I love that word. I love, I love Jesus when he speaks in, verse, in chapter 18 of Matthew. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are the words of the Father. These are the words to us. We have this authority. Wow. Think about that. I, I wished you were all here together. I wished we were all in the same room so we could all say amen together because it is a truth. There's something else about this concept of prayer. The length of prayer determines your victory. The length of prayer. The length of prayer. Listen to it. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and, sat, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
in that time, during this period of time, when two enemies would come together for war, they would begin the battle at sunrise, and at sunset they would cease to pick it up the next day. Moses is standing on this hill, and he's watching this battle going out before him. He's taken the rod of God, this rod that signified the power of God, and he began to realize something as he lifted that rod in the presence of the Lord. That was prayer. That was intercession. He saw that Joshua began to take occupancy and began to overcome Amalek. He found that when his hands became weary and, and that rod came down, prayer ceased. Amalek began to have victory. He saw this and began to realize that if he could keep his prayer life, if he could pre keep praying in this manner, God would intercede. This is exactly what we see today. God will intercede determined by how much we participate in this battle, in prayer, for our family, for our community, for our world. We, we pray and we see, we see these moments where things begin to surge and then we let off and things begin to go back to the way it was. God is saying we continue to prayer, pray. We continue to battle. The power of prayer became visual to Moses. He had to overcome his discomfort. He had to overcome his fatigue. He had to overcome even his inability, even his age. He had to overcome all of those obstacles in order to see the victory. When he began to, to recognize that and see that, those around him recognized that he himself couldn't sustain this. Aaron, her, came. They, they sat him on a stone. They lifted his hands. They joined together in this great time of prayer. And when they did, God gave them victory. What a visual of prayer. When we're praying, we're entering into a spiritual battle. In Daniel chapter 10, there's a story of Daniel praying. He prayed uh, against the issues that were happening in his captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. He's in what we would call modern Persia today, in, in the outskirts of Persia, I should say, in Babylon, right on the border of Iraq and Iran today. And as he's in this particular area, he's in this battle in prayer. He begins this prayer 24 days later, the angel of the Lord came and spoke to, to Daniel and said, Daniel, Daniel, we heard you praying. Your prayers were heard the very first day you prayed. But there's a battle raging. Daniel did not quit praying. He persisted. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Daniel, Michael, the archangel, had to war against the demonic forces, this prince of Persia. And, and as you continue to pray, you supported that Literally, I believe that his prayers supported and gave strength even to the angels themselves. When we pray, we're releasing an authority and a power that God has bequested within us. He heard them the first day. Moses praying, hands lifted, was literally a battle of the forces of hell. Not just the battle of Amalek and Joshua, but it was the battle of the forces of hell. When we pray, we're inviting God to intervene. We're and you've got to remember this. We have a free will. We have this will that we can do what we want. And God will not violate that will. 
When we, we want our, our kids saved, are we willing to pray for their salvation? Are we willing to say, God, go into that room, go into that house, speak to them? Are we, or are we just simply, Lord, you know, you know. No, we have to take this as an assignment of war. It's a battle for their soul. It's a battle for our grandchildren. We need to take authority in Jesus' name. We have power in prayer to take authority over the strongholds. It's through prayers, through our prayers, that we allow God to intervene supernaturally into their lives. I, I want to share with you something I found, and this is so powerful. It's a brand new thought to my mind. He says in Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and 7, he says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. These watchmen are people of prayer. This is really what this is about. I have set, I have set intercessors. I have set people in prayer on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You, will, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying that you need to disturb God. Oh, that's a powerful thing. That sounds a little bit preca- how, 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 how impotent is that? No, no, no. This is what God is saying. I want you to disturb me. I want you to call on me. I want you to not rest. I want you to allow me to come in. I want to intervene. I want to make a difference. But I'm dependent upon you inviting me in. This is what he's saying. It's interesting that, that we see this in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's a story. It's a parable in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus tells the parable of a, a little widow who comes before a judge. And she keeps coming and she pesters him. And I like the way it says in verse 5, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. This is what God is telling us. We must continue to pray. We must never cease in prayer. We must not think this is just a one and done thing. We come before God until he answers prayer. God is telling us, I want to do all of these things, but I'm dependent upon you. The length of prayer is contradictive to our society. We live in a world where everything's instantaneous. We want instant news. We want instant entertainment. We want instant pleasure. We want instant answers. We want instant things from Amazon. We want this. We want that. And God is saying some things take time. A baby still takes nine months. You're not going to make an instant baby. Some things take time. The birthing of things takes time. The answers to prayer take time. We don't just simply get them because we think so highly of our prayer life. We are praying and believing our God for the miraculous. The battle for our souls, for the souls of our kids. Are they worth it? Are they worth the time that you would spend moments to take 
special moments to hold them before the Lord? Are your grandkids important enough to you that you will take time out of your busy life to literally set aside occupation and desire and dreams to take your children and grandchildren before the throne of grace? You can intervene. You can call down heaven upon their life. Are they important enough for you to do that? It's not only the length of prayer but the depth of prayer. How deep do we pray? Exodus, this this caught me somewhat off guard. I've seen it and I've read it before, but it it really became a a new, new concept to me. It says in Exodus 32, 32, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray blot me out of your book which you have written. Moses was looking at the children of Israel that were belligerent, rebellious, sinful. God was kind of fed up with them. And God was saying, I'm going to come and do certain things to them. And Moses is pleading for them. God, will you forgive them? But if you're not going to forgive them, blot my name out as well. What he's saying is, I, I, will, I'm will, I love my people and I love you, God, but I want you to intervene in their lives even if it costs me, even if it costs me, what price are we willing to pay to see answers to prayer? What price in time, in effort, in passion are we willing to give up? It's not just how long we pray, but how earnestly and how sincerely we seek him. Book of Lamentations puts it this way, my eyes overflow with Rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and do not cease till the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. You know, I've got to close this, but several years ago, I had a couple in a church that we were pastoring. We had a young lady that her husband made some big errors, horrible, horrible decisions. And for several years, she lived in this bottomless pit of insecurity. He was in and out of that marriage, and she began to pray. Seven years she prayed. In seven years, she sought God for his soul and for her marriage. God gave her a promise. She wrote that promise on this little card. And every morning, she would pray this prayer. And she would remind the Lord of the promise for seven years. She loved her husband. She wanted her marriage. And she believed her God. Seven years was a long time. And the intensity of her prayer was profound. She sought him one day. He came into my office, bowed his heart before the Lord, surrendered his will to God. And I remarried them. Oh, they'd never divorced. We just renewed their vows. And when I did that, that morning, she gave me this card. She said, Pastor, this is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Church, prayer is real and it's powerful. But you can't accomplish it alone. Moses' hands became weary. Aaron and her stood beside them. They were there to agree with them. We're here today to agree with you. 
You can write your needs some way, somehow, through uh, maybe one of the chat lines or through an email to us or a phone call to us. Some way, let us know how we can agree with you. We want to join you in prayer for your family, for your health, for your economy, for our city, for our state, for our nation, for this pandemic. Listen, nothing is impossible to them that believe. Perhaps this morning, you're sitting here listening to this and you're saying, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with the God that you're talking about. Let me invite you to join me in a prayer. He loves you, friends. He cares about you. He desires you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to know him. And you can. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for these lives that are listening today. What a powerful thing we have in prayer. Would you bless all that would be listening? Help us to agree together that, Lord, we can call on you. And for those this morning that would say, I don't know you, Jesus. You made it so simple. Would you simply join me as we make this prayer, a prayer that you can join us in. You can make this your own. Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't do this alone. I need your help. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Help me. Help me today. I receive you as my Savior. Receive me as your child. We'll thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the Lord's blessing rest upon you, be gracious to you, guide you, help you, establish you, May the promise of his goodness come to you as you know you can pray. You can seek him. May you be blessed as you seek him. God, guide each one today. Strengthen them, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. May God's blessing be on you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless.